Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Never experienced this, but have you ever had that experience where the everyday things in your life become so familiar that you don't even notice them? You don't even realise that they're there. Um, for, for me, I saw this example firsthand with uh, my nan. My nan lived in a housing commission house right on a main road. And so whenever I would go and stay with her, uh, she would live right on the main road. And um, these almighty like semi-trailers, those B-double type big trucks, would come down. And it would feel like they are three feet from your bedroom window. And these trucks, as I go to sleep at night, would just go vroom, down the main road. And I'd kind of be like, what was that? And Nan would be like, what was what? <laughs> what was what? Just in a bit, another one would come by, what was, you know, like the windows would rattle. And she'd just get on with everyday life. Like it's, she just didn't even notice them. And I find that uh, throughout life, uh, when things become so regular and so familiar that we just, it just kind of fades into the background of your mind. Have you noticed that? Um, and what I want to talk about this morning is, is something that we do here at this church uh, every single week. And we do something that has the potential to fade into the back of our mind. Uh, it's the sort of thing that we do that if you're a guest and you watch into us, and we're going to do it in this service, you'll watch us do this, and a guest may will go, well, what was that? Uh, and we will go, what, 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 what was what? It's, just, it, it, it's potentially going to pass you by without you even noticing. And the thing that I'm going to talk about this morning uh, is one of the simple things that we do as a church. It's a simple thing we do as a church. It's simply communion. And uh, every now and then, in between sermon series, we've, we've had forgiveness, we've had generosity, had big topics that we talk about. Every now and then, it's great just to be able to come back and to spend a week thinking about the things that we do so often that we may not even notice. Communion, baptism, worship... And so this morning, we're going to talk about communion. What is it about communion? And when I began prepping for this, I realized, I'll declare, uh, that this had become so familiar to me that I really didn't notice the power that it can have in our lives. It's just something we do every week. It's just something for Sam as the pastor. Quick, I've finished my message. I've got to say something that connects us into that thing that we do as part of our service. I know you. I know that's what it feels like. Right? And so I'm hoping for us this morning that you can rediscover what I rediscovered about communion, that this is something profoundly therapeutic to the human soul. And we do it every single week. Uh, the reason why I've, I kind of felt it's therapeutic is I was listening to um, Dr. Andrew Huberman on the Huberman Lab podcast. Anyone a Huberman fan here? Yeah, I love Huberman stuff. And so allow me in this moment to try and summarize a three and a half hour podcast for you. <laughs> uh, he was interviewing a guy called, um, yeah, I think that's what they call a long form podcast. Yeah, three and a half hours. With Dr. Paul Conti, who is a psychiatrist uh, from the Stanford School of Medicine. And this guy was absolutely fascinating. And uh, Dr. Conti, as they were talking through the nature of the human self and the structure of the human self from a psychological standpoint, said this, he said, so many of us have negative internal narratives that there isn't room for anything else. I don't know if you found that. 
I've, I've found in, in my life, have you ever had this? Where like, Do you ever find that when you wake up of a morning and you just open your eyes, have you ever found that sometimes you're talking to yourself? Is this just me? Come on, don't hold back from me. This is getting live streamed, right? Dr. Conti's going to call up. This guy's got a problem, right? Okay, thank you. I'm not the only one. The challenge for me is whenever I hear myself talking, it's always bad news. Have you found that? It's just always bad news. There's, there's so many of us have a negative internal narrative. There's not much room for anything else. And so uh, Dr. Conti goes on to say that our beliefs and our inherited narratives are so ingrained into ourselves that it's very difficult to get you off these mental highways that you've carved into your mind. Uh, but you can. That's the positive nature of his message is that you can do that. You can start to carve paths that are different from the way that we normally think. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort. He says this, thinking can be wonderful when we're using thinking to learn and to figure things out. But a lot of thinking is in the service of something else. <laughs> you're probably thinking about the bill that you've got to pay uh, or what you're going to have for lunch or... Um, <laughs> What gets your attention gets you, is what he's saying. And so wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be remarkable, wouldn't it be awesome if we had, I don't know, a rhythm, uh, maybe like a discipline, like a, a regular thing in our lives that, I don't know, just brainstorming here, okay, work with me, I haven't got the whiteboard, but imagine if we could kind of have a regular pattern of doing things that would take this thinking mind and for many of us the negative self-talk that we've got in this and take us up into something that is wondrous and beyond ourselves. I don't know, wouldn't that be really cool if we had that in our lives? And that's, I don't know, it's like God kind of said, oh, here's something I've prepared earlier, Moira, right? You know, like those cooking shows? Yeah, it's like... (laughs) And I don't know, what if, what if we did communion every week? A guy called um, Paul, who um, Time magazine puts down as one of the top three most influential people in history behind Jesus Christ. Paul says this to his church, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup, this is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink of this cup... You proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Now, I I acknowledge that can sound really religious sort of stuff. And I want to break this down into four different ways that communion is almost therapeutic for us. The first thing that communion does is communion connects your life to His death. That's the first thing it does, is communion connects your life to His death, which sounds pretty morbid. You know, you're talking about negative self-talk. It's not the way to start. It sounds pretty morbid, right? But um, non-religious. This is not a Christian thing. This is a thing thing. You know, Aussies do this all the time. You know, in, they get to April of every year, and Aussies travel all the way over to Turkey. Some people get up at the crack of dawn to stand in front of a big cement block and hear a trumpet go. Uh-huh. Right? And what are Aussies doing? They're, they're, 
connecting their life to his or her death. They're creating a memorial, which is what the Jewish people were doing. This goes all the way back to the Old Testament, to Exodus, where really, uh, basically, what is happening here is a thing called the Passover meal. It wasn't called communion. This was a Jewish meal, a Thanksgiving meal. And so, this meal was set up all the way back in the, in the Old Testament, the early days of the Jewish people, uh, when Moses had set it up for them in Exodus chapter 12. And basically, what would happen at the Passover meal is that uh, a young child of the family would say, uh, Papa, what is going on here? I don't know the Jewish word for Papa. But the grandfather of the family uh, would have the responsibility to retell the story of what had happened, that the Israelites were under bondage by Pharaoh and that, um, that God was, was going to um, liberate them. And that, uh, that in order to go through, He's going to send an angel of death through the people that were there in Egypt. And in order to be spared, He told His people to go. So He knew who the Israelites were to uh, slay a lamb and to go and take the blood of the lamb and to put it over the top of their doorways. And that way, when the angel passed past, they were safe, they were liberated, they were saved by the blood of the Lamb. Which for some of you, it's like revelation, because you're like, now I know what those kooky Christians are talking about, when they're saved by the blood of the Lamb, you know, like, it, you know, up until that point, you just, it was the sort of phrase that would freak you out in church. Um, that's the biblical background to what all of that meant. And so, they would have this roast lamb on the table, and Papa would retell the story for all of the family so they could connect their life to the saving work of God. They were liberated. The Passover brings the power of death into your life. They were liberated from death. It brings it in. The roast lamb on the table show, shows them that, that that has happened. You know, what are they doing when they're remembering here with a meal and Papa's telling the story? You know what he's saying? They shall not grow old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn at the going down of the sun, and in the morning we will remember them. It's a memorial to something that has happened, and it moves them, and it moves us because, you know, what is happening when we hear this? And if you're the type that gets moved, why are we moved by this? It's because it brings the power of someone's death into, into our lives that... that fundamentally, the Passover story and the Anzac story is a salvation story, where it's saying, someone copped a bullet for your freedom. You didn't know them, you weren't part of them, but the reason you're free is that someone had to die. And so, when Jesus takes the communion, question class, why no lamb? There was no lamb there when we take the communion, when we do that. Many commentators would agree, is that Jesus is saying, I'm the lamb sitting at the table. I'm the one who will be sacrificed so that you can be liberated. So communion connects our life through to His death. That's the first thing it does. Here's the second thing it does. Communion connects your soul to God. Verse 23, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Communion is not just believing in God in general, but communion is remembrance. And I want to talk about that word. It's quite specific. Why would we need to remember? Why would we need to do that? Uh, my answer to that is hakuna matata. <laughs> hakuna matata. 
right? That's the line from the great movie, The Lion King. And if you know that story, Simba, um, Simba runs from the pride lands and he hooks up with these two uh, nefarious figures called Timon and Pumbaa. And uh, they end up doing all sorts of fun things. They find uh, an oasis in, out, out there in the, the Pride Lands. And there's all sorts of wonderful, blissful time that they have together. They teach him the song, Hakuna Matata, which means no worries. No worries. A no worries sort of life. It was such a no worries sort of life that Simba begins to progressively forget who he is and where he's come from. Pride lands are in a desperate state and they need their future king to come back. And then perhaps in what I feel is one of the most fundamentally beautiful moments in animated film. Mufasa, the ghost of Mufasa, meets up with Simba out one night. Here's the beautiful image of it. And he says, Simba, you have forgotten who you are. Because you have forgotten me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I practiced. What do you think you paid me for? <laughs> he says, look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than you have, who you have become. And you must take your place back in the circle of life. Right? You have forgotten who you are because you have forgotten me. And so when we remember, remembering is the antidote to a Hakuna Matata life. And we live on the lower north shore of Sydney. We live a Hakuna Matata life. We live in an oasis that is the desert. In the many other worlds, there are so many things that you and I know that distract us. And the way that we know that we are distracted from who we are and the place that we have in the kingdom of God is the fact that we have these things called fears and anxieties and guilt and all of these things that are the telltales that we are not living out of our true identity in God. Communion connects your soul to God. And so can you imagine how wonderfully therapeutic this act is for someone who is told that by a parent, unheavenly father, mother, that you're not good enough or you won't amount to anything or that your life has got no purpose or that they think that they've failed in business. You think about what happens when they connect their identity and their soul to God who said, I died for you. I did this for you. This is my body for you. This is how much I love you. This is what you mean to me. Communion connects your soul to God. And, and why we lose some of the power is because of the way that we understand the word remember. It's all in the word remember. This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Through this act, Jesus says to you and I, Sam, you have forgotten who you are because you've forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Sam. You are more than who you have become. The word remember, in its true sense, doesn't mean just to recall. It means to graft. It means to join. It means to, to bring in a reality that was outside of yourself and make it a part of you. That's what it means to remember. It connects your soul to God. Now, what, um, what makes then this practice, pause for a minute, because we're two from four, so you know that you're halfway there, which is pretty good. We're doing well. Yep, Morella, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. I saw that watch down there. Yep, I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, what makes this, you know, something more profound than just one of these classic Christian practices where, I don't know, it's like you, you get a rock and you burn a few different smells and you think of God and like, have you ever wondered why, why is it that we do this process in church and you've got to kind of barge past everyone to get the snazzy plastic cups up at the tables up the back and we've got a bit of crowd control and we're all coming in and there's a lot of togetherness in communion when we do this, right? And that's because communion not only connects your soul to God, communion connects the individual to family. And the Passover meal was for families, right? You know, here was Jesus with 12 of his friends at Jewish Thanksgiving, and what is um, really kind of weird about this is that it was Jewish Thanksgiving, like it was one of the biggest dates in the Jewish calendar. And here is Jesus with 12 of his friends. Like, why weren't they home? I mean, they should have, like, there were 24 mums and dads that were really worried about their boys that night, you know, in the Leonardo da Vinci picture. Like, you, you see that as a nice piece of artwork, you know, for a Jewish mum and dad, that was a horrifying sight. You know, there were brothers and sisters who, who were wondering where their siblings are and everyone's looking for them. There was, you know, there was probably little placeholders with like Simon and Petey and Andy and Jude, you know, just waiting for the meal to be there and they weren't there because these boys were, were Jesus. What was happening in this? Jesus is showing us through this Passover meal with his disciples that Jesus was making an entirely new family. That he says, when you do this act, guys, and when you pass this on to the churches or the disciples, remember, there was always disciples before there was a church, when you pass this on to them and you do this in remembrance of me, when you take of this bread and cup, you're going you're gonna to be a whole new family. And I don't know about you, but when you do family with your brothers and sisters, ever noticed, even though you might be radically different, and ever noticed that even though you might really get on each other's nerves, at the end of the day, you're still family. And so powerful is this act that when we take of communion, it is a reminder to us as a new spiritual family that no matter how different we look, there is a common thing, a common bond that unites you and I that is so much stronger than all of the common bonds that are out there in the world. And more deeply, it shows us that when we do this together and you're barging past someone to get your plastic cup on a Sunday and they look radically different from you or even, and there's lots of this in the Scriptures, you don't like them because they said something nasty about you. Jesus has a whole lot to say about what you're to do if you were there at the altar taking communion, you are reminded that I am part of a family, that there is a bond here that is so much stronger than race and demographics and sexuality and geography and education and all the other things that we use commonly in order to say that we've got things in common. And isn't that a beautiful and amazing thing to declare each and every Sunday, I am part of a new family? often can be a pretty chaotic, different-looking family, but it's still family, and I love my family. I love my church family. There is a unity there between us because it, communion connects us to that reality. And most of all, and finally, and let's not forget this, that communion you know, not only connects your life to His death, not only connects your soul to God so you can remember who you are, not only connects the individual into a family that they're grounded in, but communion connects your story to the future. 
Listen to this. Jesus says, this is is Jesus talking now at that table. This is the blood, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Communion connects you to the future. What do I mean by this? You know what, you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying one day there's going to be an opportunity for you to sit up at the grown-ups table. Did you ever have this when you were either at um, Christmas and maybe some of this side of the room can relate to the imagery a little bit better than the rest of us, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I always got stuck at the kids' table and I, I would always be longing at Christmas time to be sitting up at the grown-ups table and then maybe you had a moment when you graduated from the kids' table to the grown-ups. We ever have that? Here's, here's what heaven is. Heaven's getting to sit up at the grown-ups table. Heaven, heaven is, look at it here in Revelation. This is the proof. Chapter 6, verse 19. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who were invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's interesting language. Remember? The Lamb that was slain. The wedding supper of the Lamb, of Jesus. And he added, these are the true words of God. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. Heaven is a picture, not of like little cherubs with harps up in clouds. Heaven is sitting at the grown-up table where you will bring every question, you will bring every frustration, you will bring every yearning, you will bring every wondrous thought that you've had in your mind and you will sit and you will eat with God Face to face. Imagine that. Having dinner with Jesus. Man, I know some of the questions I'm going to ask him. I'm sure you've got a few. And the crazy thing is too, then straight after that verse, John says, but hang on, there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more mourning. Because behold, everything is made new. So this funny little thing that we do every Sunday, particularly for you who are hurting or you're frustrated or the world's not perfect or there are things that you can't get back and you've been robbed of joy and you've been robbed of wonder and you've been robbed of beauty and yet you say you're a Christian, you wonder how all of this works. What this, you you know what this is? You know what this is? Entree. This is is hors d'oeuvres. This is like... You know, you go to the convention centre and you haven't gone into the grand ballroom yet and, you know, some waitress comes around, you know, with the serviette thing so you don't get too messy, right? Each week when we present this to you, that's just me coming around and saying, let's take communion when I do that. Just think of me as one of those waiters who's coming to, you know, do you want a salmon voulevant, right? A spiritual voulevant, right? <laughs> this is hors d'oeuvres. This is canapes. This is a hint of the meal that we will one day finally have with him. And you thought it was just something we do every week. (laughs) I thought it was just something that we do every week, I'll be honest with you. 
Now, my hope and prayer for us this morning is that we've taken a deep dive into communion, is that we could understand the therapeutic power of what we are about to do together this morning. And so, as we get ready to take communion as a spiritual church family, uh, which aspect of the communion might you need the most this morning? Maybe you need to hear a salvific, a salvation story. The only reason that you're spiritually free is because Jesus took a bullet for you. Maybe you're in the throes of guilt or fear or of anxiety and you need the true Mufasa to speak over your life and say, you you have forgotten who you are because you have forgotten me. You're a kid of the kingdom. You're my child. You are holy and dearly loved. Maybe some of us need to come to realise that if we don't have a place in this world or our own family was less than perfect, that we're part of a true spiritual family that is here to love me and to support me and to walk with me and to cheer me on. Maybe some of us got to come to realise that we need to be nicer to each other in the spiritual family because we're part of this family for all of eternity. (laughs) Or maybe there are things that have been taken from you in life that you're not going to get back. And you're not after compensation, you're after restoration. You're after a table, at a table where every, everything is made new and, and every pain and every nightmare scenario of this world will just melt away when we come through those doors and we see him face to face. Let's pray. Father, as we prepare to Commune with you, Lord Jesus. I'm praying by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help us to graft, to sow, to enjoin, to remember. You and what you've done. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.